Hello, and welcome to the Research Podcast from Georgia State University, available wherever podcasts are found. In each episode, we highlight interesting and innovative research happening at Georgia State. We feature a different faculty member and a different topic each month so you can learn more about research taking place across the university. I'm Jennifer Rainey Marquez, your host and Associate Director of Research Communications at Georgia State. My guest in this episode is Dawn Acock, Associate Professor in the Berdeen F. Lewis College of Nursing and Health Professions. Dr. Acock is a registered nurse who studies stroke, particularly among young adult African-Americans. Today, she's going to talk about why more and more young adults are having strokes and what she's doing to help this population reduce their risk. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit at first about what exactly a stroke is for those that don't exactly know and what can cause people to have a stroke. Okay. A stroke is a brain attack and it's similar to a heart attack, but it occurs in the brain. A stroke occurs when blood flow to the brain is blocked by a blood clot that develops there or travels there from another part of the body. Um, This is what's called an ischemic stroke, and ischemic stands for a lack of oxygen. And most strokes are ischemic strokes. About 70 to 80 percent of the strokes that occur are ischemic strokes. The other type of stroke is a hemorrhagic stroke, and hemorrhagic stands for bleeding. And when a hemorrhagic stroke occurs, it's uh, when there's a weakness in a blood vessel in the brain and that blood vessel bursts or ruptures and there's bleeding in the uh, brain. When a stroke occurs, the brain cells start to die and uh, because they don't get enough oxygen and nutrients to those brain, that part of the brain, um, those brain cells die and you start to develop symptoms of a stroke. And everyone should know the acronym of FAST, and that's F-A-S-T, and that describes the most frequent symptoms that we see with a stroke. And F stands for face, and that's when we have um, weakness on one side of the face or the other and a facial droop. A stands for arm, and you have weakness on one side of your body, your arm, and, this and you're not able any to... any side. It's not like a heart attack where you think left side, either side. It could side. be on either okay. side of your body. And... Um, You have difficulty raising your arm. And then S stands for speech, and you have slurred speech or difficulty speaking. And then T, which is most important, stands for time, and that's time to call 911. Treatment uh, as soon as possible is important. So without treatment, these symptoms can continue and also become permanent. And stroke, is a, it's a devastating disease. It's the fifth leading cause of death in the United States and also the leading cause of adult disability in the United States. But the good thing is that up to 80% of strokes can be prevented if people knew what the risk factors for stroke were and they took steps to either prevent those risk factors from developing or occurring um, or better managing those risk factors. And, and some of the some of the major causes okay, or the, risk, ask you. the risk factors for stroke are high blood pressure, also uh, diabetes and uncontrolled diabetes, smoking cigarettes, um, obesity, high, high cholesterol, and also atrial fibrillation, which is an irregular heart rhythm. But again, these things can be prevented um, or they can be managed better. So 
all the things that you just talked about, I think we often associate, whether it's diabetes, high blood pressure, with people that are older. Um, But you study stroke among adults who are quite young, ages 20 to 35, particularly African-Americans. Why do we need a focus on that group? That's a great question. Well, there's two reasons. One, for African-Americans, African-Americans tend to have strokes at an earlier age, almost 10 years younger than other groups. And African-Americans also have a higher incidence of stroke and also higher um, death rates or mortality rates as as a result of stroke. And another reason is because over the past few decades, we've seen an increase of stroke in young adults. And um, even as research as 20 in, even in the 20s and um, hospitalizations, the research has shown that hospitalizations for stroke have increased by about 30 percent in individuals from 15 years old all the way up to, to 44 years of age. And we know that that's a it's a problem. And is that because these conditions that are associated with stroke that you listed before are occurring in younger Yes. So what the research is saying is that we're seeing uh, these traditional cardiovascular risk factors that we typically see in older adults occurring at younger ages. So higher rates of high high blood pressure, um, also diabetes and obesity are occurring at younger ages. And those are also more prevalent um, diseases among African-Americans. And are there any risk factors that are different for young adults versus older adults? There, well, there are. We, we see younger adults are more likely to have strokes that result from cigarette smoking and also from alcohol and drug abuse. Um, there's also a type of stroke that's called cryptogenic stroke. And those types of strokes we don't know the cause of, but about one third of strokes in young adults are cryptogenic strokes. Hmm. Another common cause is uh, genetic problems or genetic causes of, of stroke in young adults. And what we also see in women, and I want to point this out, is that women um, are more likely to have strokes than men, and they're more likely to die from strokes than men as well. And one, some of the risk factors for women that are different from um, males, and it's we see this more in young women, um, are pregnancy and also migraine with aura, which is a disease that's common and more common in women than in men. That's interesting. And do we know why those two things are linked to stroke in women? It could be if we if we think about women and the the um, increase in stroke that we see in women. One is because we live longer than men. Another is because of uh, the hormones that um, that women have across the lifetime hmm. at different stages. So. For young adults that do have a stroke in their 20s or 30s, how do they typically fare afterwards compared to older adults? Well, that's a good question as well. And um, well, there's good news and there's bad news. In some ways, outcomes are better, uh, but other, other ways they're worse. When it comes to treatment, Young adults are healthier and they're more likely to be eligible for the treatments. Um, For example, Alteplase, which is a treatment that reverses the symptoms of stroke. And but the problem is, is they often get to 
the hospital later than older adults. And that's likely because they lack awareness of stroke and the symptoms of stroke. They don't realize um, that they don't that's realize what's that that's what's going on. And many young adults ignore those symptoms. Um, also, sometimes healthcare providers, they may not recognize symptoms of a stroke in a young adult as well, again, because it's typically a disease of older adults. As far as recovery, they typically uh, recover or rehab better than older adults and have better physical outcomes. But the problem is, is that once you've had a stroke, you're at higher risk of having a second stroke. And so for young adults, they have to live the rest of their life um, with that lingering fear and also anxiety of having a second stroke. Another problem is if um, they do have reduced physical or mental functioning that may result from the stroke. They have to live longer with those disabilities. And um, they may be, you know, at a stage where they're parenting or they're taking care of, a, you know, an older adult parent um, or they're holding full-time jobs. And as a result, they may need, but might not be able to continue to work or even parent because of the, um, the, the results of the stroke. Wow. And if a young, I also want to add, if a young person has a stroke, it can really, you know, be just changing, life changing for the family as well. And young adults are also, they're affected more by the symptoms that we see following stroke, which include the anxiety, which I mentioned before, also fatigue, um, depression. And then we also see cognitive dysfunction where people, they, they just lack focus, problems focusing. So that's why young adults, for young adults, we really need to tailor their care, but we also need to tailor awareness, um, stroke awareness for that population. So I know that's something that you've been working on. Um, yes. So you've developed an intervention to help prevent strokes, specifically in this group. And I just wrapped up a study that um, tested how well it works. So can you talk a little bit about what that intervention is? Yes. Before I talk about the intervention, I want to remind you that the majority of strokes can be prevented. Um, and by controlling those risk factors that we talked about earlier. And lifestyle behaviors, eating healthy, being physically active, and also smoking cessation are key. So I developed an intervention called SCORE, and that's S-C-O-R-R-E, um, -R -R -E, and it stands for Stroke Counseling for Risk Reduction. It's an age and culturally relevant intervention designed for African-Americans 20 to 35 years old to improve awareness awareness of stroke, and also to help them to better understand their risk factors for stroke. And it's also designed to promote healthy lifestyle behavior. So again, improving physical activity, diet, and smoking cessation. And with the, uh, with, with the intervention, there are actually five components to the intervention, and it's, based, it's focused on education. So they receive an educational brochure to read. Um, there's also a stroke champions video that, that I developed that educates them about stroke. We also use the American Heart Association's Life Simple 7 program, which is a free uh, web-based program that is used as an assessment tool. Um, for cardiovascular and stroke risk, and also an education tool as well. And then during an eight-week risk reduction period, participants, they select a behavior that they want to work on, either the physical activity, the diet, or the smoking cessation. And they receive um, a behavioral risk reduction diary that 
they track that behavior. They also set goals for that behavior. And then they those are accompanied by weekly motivational text messages related to, to the behavior that they selected. So it's basically a combination of education and then supporting them through this goal setting to change their lifestyle, change their behavior to reduce their risk. Exactly. So what, I know you said it's age and culturally relevant, but what exactly makes this program different from interventions that are already out there? Well, the main thing that makes it different is that there are no interventions out there for primary stroke prevention for young adult African Americans. So that's so the this one is it. that this is it <laughs> from what I from what I know of. Um, and it's also uh, different because it is age and culturally relevant. And with the, the videos, the Stroke Champion video that I've developed, it's a 16-minute video, and it has four young adult stroke survivors in it. They range in age from uh, 20 to 46, and they talk about their experience with stroke, how stroke has affected their life, uh, both you know, physically, you know, mentally, financially, and how it's affected their families' lives as well. And they also give advice to others for how they can lower their risk of stroke. Um, there's also two individuals in the video um, that haven't had a stroke, they're young adult African Americans as well, and they talk about significant lifestyle changes that they've made in order to lower their risk of stroke. And are you seeing that the intervention is effective in this group? Is it helping providing a wake-up call, whatever it is. So what we found was that immediately following the intervention, um, that's when they read the brochure, they uh, watched the video, and then they also get got feedback about their risk of stroke. Um, what we found was that it improved their accuracy of perceived stroke risk. Um, so what we asked them at the beginning of the study is, what do you think is your risk of chances of having a stroke in the next 10 to 20 years on a zero to 10 scale? And we compare that to their actual risk of stroke based on the Life Simple 7 program. So we're able to uh, correct any inaccurate uh, risk perceptions. And that's another thing that's unique about um, this particular study. Not a lot of studies have tested um, whether or not accuracy of perceived stroke risk can be improved. And that's what we did. That's one of the things that we did find immediately after the intervention. It, it improved accuracy of perceived stroke risk. It also increased readiness for behavior change. And last thing, it also improved competence to live a healthy lifestyle. And then when we looked at the eight-week follow-up um, data and looked to see whether or not it did motivate behavior change, we did find that some improvements in physical activity and diet. Well, and I imagine understanding that you're at risk for stroke is going to motivate you and, and the, make you more ready to make these behavior changes. If you don't think you're at risk, then right. you don't want to do anything to prevent it. And that's the main premise uh, behind the study is to improve accuracy of perceived stroke risk and that overall awareness of stroke, mm -hmm. letting these individuals know that it can happen. Um, a lot of people don't know that a risk can happen. At, uh, I mean, a stroke can happen at any age. Right. Um, it's not just it's not just your older adults. Grandma. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so what's the next step 
in terms of what you're hoping to do with this intervention? So the next step is to apply to get another grant uh, to do this intervention on a larger scale to determine whether or not it is truly effective in improving accuracy of perceived stroke risk, promoting lifestyle behavior change, increasing uh, competence, and also the physical activity and and diet. And so we want to look at this intervention over a longer period of time to determine the effectiveness. You know, instead of eight weeks, looking at um, also 12 months, looking at 12 months, so a, full a year, year, a right. full year. And uh, we also want to make other changes, make it more technology um, savvy for these young adults to, um, to really accept the intervention and use it. And, and another thing is that I just want to continue to increase awareness of the, you know, the importance of, of stroke and the significance of stroke and also the importance of research um, so that we can address the disparities that we see in African-Americans um, in stroke. Thank you so much for sharing all of this very useful takeaway information, I hope, for people that are listening and telling us more about your your research, which is very important. Well, thank you so much for having me here. This has been the research podcast from Georgia State University featuring Dawn Acock, Associate Professor in the Burdeen F. Lewis College of Nursing and Health Professions. For more conversations about research taking place across Georgia State, look for the research podcast wherever podcasts are found. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes.